0: hello and welcome to switzer tv investing i'm peter switzer this goes out on monday nights on our own youtube channel just go to switzer financial group make sure you become a subscriber and press the like button now on tonight's show michael mccarthy of cmc markets and julia lee of berman invest look at two dud stocks for 2019 speedcast and reliance worldwide which uh, i asked the question will they be goers this year? They were pretty good in 2018, but as I say 2019, they had absolute shockers. Paul Ricard looks at JB Hi-Fi, it reported today, really well this is a company that paul and i liked around 23 dollars it's now over 40 bucks but the question is is it still a buy paul will answer that question next michael wayne of medallion financial we'll look at his hot stocks for 2020 michael's a very good stock picker worth listening to and finally the founder of centuria capital john McBain, tells us why this property business has done so well a very interesting interview. That's your show, and without any further ado, let's cross to Michael McCarthy and Julia Lee. Thanks for joining us, guys. All right, so look, I I do want to know what stocks you like, as I always do every week. But I also put the test to you to look at two stocks that people are always asking me about. One is Speedcast, which was way I remember a darling in 2018 had a shocker in 2019. And I was was looking at the the theory around the dogs of the Dow. Now, of course, these aren't blue chip stocks, but the the dogs of the Dow can often work for blue chippers, have a shocker of a year, and then you buy them after that, and that next year after they do better because their price is down, they're good dividend payers, and of course the price is low, you you get a pretty good yield. That's the theory of it, but these aren't those sorts of stocks. Maybe Reliance one day might be, but Speedcast, Reliance, let's start with you first,
1: Julia. Look, I I definitely prefer Reliance worldwide. Um, I think uh, one of the things that we found globally is that the US housing market is doing really well, and that's supportive for companies like uh, Reliance. My favorite pick in that space would probably be James Hardy because Reliance also has exposure to the UK, which isn't doing so well with its Brexit. Um, But certainly Reliance has some tailwinds in terms of the US, and stocks like James Hardy is probably my top pick in that space. Mm. And other building material companies as well, like CSR, um, I think these mm. building Boral. material... in well, the
0: US, and it hasn't been a great story.
2: Down 11% trading today yeah. after admitting that some employees in the US Windows business were manipulating the numbers. Oh. So
1: accounting yeah. fraud. Um, <laughs> so Voral wouldn't be the pick yeah. there. Um, James Hardy, definitely, um, and CSR I like as well.
2: Okay. Michael. Speedcast, Peter, I was a fan i said so publicly. Mm. I, b- I bought in at $1.80. Thankfully I didn't pay the $6 it was trading at previously, but mm. I bought in on a value argument. Mm. Uh, at at $1.02, I averaged in, a very dangerous practice I should point mm. out, but when I did, I set myself a line in the sand at $0.90. Cents. When mm. the stock breached that, I cut the position. Mm. I'm thanking what
1: mm. my
2: lucky stars today, okay. um, given that the stock's in suspension and it looks very bad. The CEO has resigned. The guidance is out by at least 10%. And that got the uh, new numbers are uh, bolstered by a number of one-off cost reductions and asset sales. So mm-hmm. this business is a lot worse than, than I thought, and I think uh, than some in the market thought. It's one the short sellers have definitely got right. It's yeah. still one of the most shorted stocks on the market, and it looks like they're going to win on this one.
0: Do, was there, has there been misrepresentation to the market, do you think?
1: Oh Well, the problem here is this company is worth, what, 200 mil, maybe less now in terms of market capitalisation, yet it's got $600 million in debt. So the debt's a real problem mm. when your your business is cascading in this downward spiral. Mm. Um, and so the banking covenants, I suspect, would be a problem. So in this case, either a renegotiation in terms of the debt, otherwise a massive diluted mm. capital raising, both, which are pretty bad scenarios. And they've
0: bought lots of businesses. You'd think that individual businesses, if you sold them individually, might add up to be more what the market's valuing. Would that be a a fair call? Because the fact that it went to $6 and and they were acquiring businesses, you would have thought that there there was some value in these businesses
2: they were picking up.
1: Well, you'd have to pay back the six hundred million million first. Yeah. Yes, that's <laughs>
2: part of the exercise. But it the is. acquisitions are at the heart of the short seller's argument here. Yeah. They've argued they paid too much, that they've been poorly integrated, and the accounting treatment of them hasn't been correct. That's yeah. been the thesis for a long time now. Yeah. It looks like we'll get more light on those issues yeah. when Speedcast does seek to be reinvented. On
0: reliance, it has already made a bit of a, a comeback. Is there, right, is, is there more? In more?
2: May last year it warned and guided EBITDA lower. Yeah. It dropped from 4.60 down to touch lows below 3.20. And that's when we started talking about exactly. and And now we're back up. very close to $4.60 <laughs> ahead of the result yeah. later this month. So yeah. if they confirm in that result yeah. what the share price is telling us, it said uh, there could be further gains okay. for alliance. I've got to talk to you about JB Hi-Fi. Richard Murray one of the best. <laughs> <series>. <laughs> He's done well, hasn't he? If he had a moustache, he'd be twirling it. That's right. Exactly right. So, but $44, that's a pretty high price. 46.09 today, Peter. Okay. 46 well, we like,
0: I know I liked the
2: 23 because I <laughs> yeah. couldn't believe. I, I was with you. Yeah, yeah, uh, But I was out in the mid-30s, Yeah, so it started to look rich to me. Yeah. But the numbers they've delivered today are extraordinary. Mm. 5% sales in the Australian operation, 6.5% profit growth. Mm. So not only are they beating the pants off the competition, they're actually getting better margins as Mm. well. That's an extraordinary performance. Yeah, now he's not, but you
0: are uber cool compared to your... um,
2: (laughs) Do you you shop at JB
1: Hi-Fi? Yes, I do. I mean, this is my pick. uh, (laughs) JB Hi-Fi was one of my picks a few months ago. Um, Look, I think JB Hi-Fi is going to continue to do well. The other stock that I like um, that's hit an all-time record high today is Credit Corp. Mm. CSL continues to power along, as Mm. does Macquarie Group. So, look. You know, this and, is a great market. And has Jerry
0: picked up a benefit today, Harvey Norman, with JB Hi-Fi doing so well?
1: I think so. I think the retailers um, are really starting to see subtraction, so both JB Hi-Fi as well as Harvey Norman. Mm. But JB Hi-Fi is one that does have a habit of doing um, beating the market on mm. the upside when it comes to reporting season. I guess because we've been talking about some of these building product type of companies, can I, can I introduce yeah. a new idea? One oh, that I'm course. watching this reporting season, given that Boral had such a poor performance today and yeah. some of the read-through from Boral's performance was around the Australian market that um, perhaps we could see short-term weakness in terms of some of its competitors. So the company that I'm watching very carefully is Adelaide Brighton. Yeah. I think that it could potentially miss this reporting season but I think if it misses, it's definitely an opportunity mm. to pick up this stock. I yep. think we're going to see tailwinds coming through from the housing market, which has yep. stabilised, bushfire rebuilding, well. mm-hmm. um, mm. infrastructure projects. Mm. And not only that, the borough group, uh, the borough family, owns 43%. So a potential takeover there if we do see significant weakness. So, mm. look, I think if we do see a miss for Adelaide, Brighton, I'd be looking to um, mm. pick up some of that okay.
2: any other stocks that you're, you're liking at the moment? Well, a couple of others and one of the things i've been thinking about this week peter is how some elements of the market are performing really well despite the worries mm. and i'm thinking about some of those small cap stocks that have trebled or quadrupled mm. in the last few weeks because they have exposure to the coronavirus mm. and i'm also thinking about put options peter mm. um the market has defied so much of the doom and gloom so repeatedly but it's been hard for investors to get on board and i cut some numbers today An investor can, if they have an index portfolio, Mm -hmm. and nobody does, but in a theoretical index portfolio, you can buy, protect 95% of the value until June, with just 1.7% of the value. Hmm. So if investors want to stay in the market and take advantage of uh, uh, potential further gains hmm. and yet still sleep very soundly at night, hmm. spending 1.7% right. of the portfolio So let's imagine someone's
0: got a million dollars in their portfolio. What's it gonna cost them for this insurance? Give me $17,000. Okay, $17,000. Yeah, okay. And if you lose it, can you claim as, as a tax? Oh, direction? absolutely. It's part of your, 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 part of your <laughs> overall
2: portfolio of return. Depends how tax is treated, and I'm not a tax advisor, but uh, yes, I certainly do, it's incorporated in my trading results.
0: Do do, do you think a lot lot of people just don't understand options
2: and therefore they just don't simply do them? The problem is the maths underlying a lot of these derivatives is complex, but you don't need to know that maths Mm. to use them sensibly. Mm. And what a lot of people don't understand is you can use options to reduce your overall market risk. Mm. Now, if you only buy options, all you can lose is what you spend on those options. So in the case of our theoretical $1 million portfolio, the most you can lose on those put options is $17,000. Mm. That's if you buy them. If you sell options, it's a whole other story and you must have a much higher understanding. Mm. But for every investor, if you can add, subtract, and calculate a percentage return, mm. you can use options effectively. Do you, do you use options, Julia?
1: Yeah, I'm an accredited level two derivatives Why advisor. Why <laughs> But look, uh, the, the reason you buy puts is for risk management. So the bigger bigger um, thing is probably risk management, yeah. and you can do that through buying. Particularly if
0: you've made a really big gain on the market. <laughs> yeah, low, and
1: also through diversification or even different investment styles, mm. if things are running really hard in terms of momentum, mm. to look at things like quality as well as value just to balance out the portfolio. And you can even diversify across time frames. I have my short-term bucket, my medium-term bucket, and my long-term bucket yeah. as well.
0: Maka, can you get options on every Every stock that you hold?
2: No. By far the most popular options are the index options, Mm. right? Options over the Australia 200 index. But around 73 or 74 stocks have uh, listed options. Mm. As a trader, I look for the more liquid ones, so I only really consider a universe of 30. But Mm. 70-plus of the top stocks have options available. So Macquarie would. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm
0: thinking I might need this. It's just done so well, that, that uh, stock. Over a great example, Peter. People who want to
2: stick with it but, but have some safety could be looking at the options market. Okay. Well, now, I'm not doing free advertising for Michael McCarthy,
0: <laughs> but the reality is... I think I'm an I, advisor. No, I, 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 the bottom line is a lot of people do ask me about options, so it's a good, good reason to bring it up today. Guys, thanks for joining the program.
1: Thanks, thank you. Pete.
0: Julia Lee from Birmingham Invest and Michael McCarthy from CNC Market and reporting. well JB Hi-Fi reported today and a guy who's been watching JB Hi-Fi for a long time and like me, liked JB Hi-Fi at $23 a, a year or so ago uh, has reported pretty well, Paul what's the, the full story?
3: look, a uh, good report from JB Hi-Fi Peter, for me pretty much on expectation but a little bit better in terms of net profit than the market hoped for yeah. And the market's taken the share price up uh, by a, wacky, a good 14% almost in the close. So oh, uh, it, it does show What's you... What's it that, now? Well, it's up towards $44. So it does show you that companies that are going to re- report well are going to get rewarded by the market. I think that's the signs we've already seen so far yeah. in reporting season, early days, but uh, the market wants to buy stocks. If you can deliver growth, and JB yeah. Hi-Fi's profit growth of almost 9% is respectable, yeah. you know, the market's going to reward it. But this 14%, is that short sellers also having to get Look, it Look, there still are some short sellers in JB Hi-Fi. I remember it was at $23, $22. I thought at $37 it was getting pretty expensive. Yeah. It's now up near 44 yeah. Peter. I think the market is just so short of stocks that can grow. Mm. Short sellers are probably, you know, again, there's still a bit of short selling as JB Hi-Fi. I mean, there's some good news for the company. And One of the great things about JB Hi-Fi is it not only delivers sales growth, but it's margin. That is, it's uh, what it calls the cost of doing business. That's the money it spends on premises and rent and stuff. Mm. It keeps on getting better at that. And actually we saw, despite a bit of pressure on, you know, on the actual operating margin, that's difference between revenue versus the cost of goods. Um, that it actually got its operating expenses lower, mm. and so it was able to improve earnings yeah. uh, as on, on the back of sales increase. And have they 4%. done better
0: with Good Guys? Good Guys, was yeah, Good, good Guys
3: has still been the bit of the struggling arm, yeah. but Good Guys actually reported um, comparable store sales mm. of 0.9%. That's a positive. Uh, also reported improvement in earnings, so it also got its cost of doing business mm. down. So it's as it sort of gets into the. JP Hi-Fi way of doing things, it's becoming more efficient at the way it sells and so its overall earnings were up and that was a positive as well. Also came out with a reasonably strong outlook in terms of how January started, Mm. January January sales data is up almost 6% Mm. compared to last year, that's positive. But did foreshadow that, and this I think we're seeing in retail, that that it's going to get harder in terms of consumers are much more predisposed to chase sales. And so, and also a lot of category sort of compression occurring so that if anything it's, uh, it did warn and perhaps it's, uh, it's margin in terms of, you know, difference between revenue and cost of goods might be under a little yeah. bit of pressure in the second half.
0: Well, a year or so ago, both you and I liked uh, JB Hi-Fi because the market sort of really belted it down about 23 $24. At these levels, Paul, can you recommend J.B. I'm, J- G- I'm not going to recommend J.B.
3: High fi I think just if, with the way the market is, if it's in your portfolio, you yeah, probably great. hang on. Because I, yeah. I said the same at $37, I said it was probably a sell. Yeah. It's now, you yeah, $44, it's a lot, you yeah, know, 20% higher. Yeah. So, um, look, every dog, every sorry, every stock has its price, but mm. the market is in a very strong uptrend. There's a shortage of stocks that are able to consistently deliver. Mm. JB Hi-Fi delivers year after year after yeah. year. It's like CSL, it's the best retailer mm. in Australia. Yep. The Amazon threat's still out there, but it's you know, it's not really causing
0: much damage. They're, they're, they're kind of laughing and, uh, at Amazon's threat. They're, so, out, they're yeah. sort
3: of laughing, and so mm. uh, would I buy JB Hi-Fi? No, mm. if I had it in my portfolio, um, I'll probably hang, on. hang on, yeah, me too. And you know, I still think it's Australia's best retailer. Yeah. Uh, and so, if you are looking for a retail stock, you know, maybe not at these levels, but yeah. and, and pullbacks is probably the stock you'd look at.
0: Yeah. And considering how hard retail is generally, Richard Murray Ma- Murray must be one of the best CEOs in the country by a country mile. Look, it has
3: almost a CLS, CSL type record in terms. Yeah. Of, like I said, earnings up, sales up, profit up every mm. half year, every year. It's got a great long term chart. Uh, if he doesn't get it, the accolade for one of Australia's best CEOs, he's right up there because yeah. uh, he really has delivered with that company
0: and it is firing still. Yeah, without a doubt. That's Paul Rickard from the Switzer Report. If you want to you know, get some inside information on some of the best companies in the country, he's the guy to read. Well, it's the start of another calendar year. January's out of the way, February The market gets going in earnest even though it was a great january up five percent but now we've got the coronavirus and all those other curveballs out there but i want to know what someone like michael wayne from medallion financial group is looking for this year, what stocks he likes. I also want him to comment on a couple of stocks that were darlings of the market in 2018, and copped it in 2019, namely Reliance, Worldwide Corporation, and Speedcast. Michael, thanks for joining us.
4: No problem, thanks for having me.
0: Let's start with those dogs of last year, and it's interesting because if you look at the, the old Australia the, the dogs of the Dow, you often do get the ones that performed badly last year, and you go along them the year after yeah. and they happen to do well. These aren't classic dogs of the Dow because these aren't blue chips. are they? Right. But still, they were darlings. Do you have a view on either Reliance, which is basically a, a worldwide plumbing business, mm-hmm. isn't it? And Speedcast, which is like a a, a, a,
4: a um, a I mean, telecommunications company, yeah. primarily in that satellite. Yeah, telecommunications so yeah, so a satellite space, so and communications. Niche. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, I'm familiar with both of those yeah, companies of because be. they took off in 2018. We're getting a, a lot of attention yeah. through, in the the media and in the press. Uh, Speedcast is actually one that we held for clients there for a period of time, mm. and it's one of those ones that doesn't turn out for you, Mm. you don't get it right all the time. So you got it right for a while. Got it right right for a while and then it started to turn, but fortunately we exited uh, a while ago before the negative news continued to compound on itself. The update recently um, was probably the worst thing that could have happened (laughs) to the business after three or four downgrades in the space of 12 months. The CEO has stood aside and, and resigned. Um, basically the share price I think still in a voluntary suspension mm. uh, and after a number of years where they went around and did a number of acquisitions trying to incorporate those acquisitions into the business didn't turn out as they would have hoped and the problem for this company was that they took on a lot of debt to undertake those acquisitions and they've got themselves into a situation now where they're having to potentially write off a lot of assets sell down some non-core investments and um, some non-core assets in order to raise some cash to pay off that debt so I don't think it's the right time to be jumping in, even if you are a bottom feeder. Mm, okay, so Speedcast, thumbs down. What about Reliance? Yeah, look, Reliance was tempting there for a while and was a business that has made, was making big waves in the US. Mm. Um, they were there for a while, a one-product business, but yeah. they, too, tried to diversify their business model somewhat into a number of other products. And they had some success there, but there is competition starting to emerge from some of the bigger players over there. They had some issues with the Brexit, which was disrupting the construction and building market in the UK, um, but we have seen some signs of t- a turnaround for that business. Um, mm. We've seen the Australian dollar come down a long way, which is a positive for that company, considering they sell the vast majority of their stuff overseas. Um, we've also seen a resolution to that Brexit. we started to see some of the construction figures out of the US improve significantly. So if I had to pick between Reliance and Speedcast, I think the tailwinds are there mm. for, for Reliance, but I wouldn't be Jumping in just yet. I would wait for this report to come out.
0: Yeah, and, and also you, my view on these sorts of companies uh, is always, let's see the uptrend start. Even if you miss the first five yeah. or ten percent, if the up start if the uptrend starts, it's going to be more than five or ten percent.
4: Yeah, I, I agree. Like you would rather pay that insurance if you like, miss out on that five ten percent for that certainty, mm-hmm. and particularly when you're in earnings season, all these companies coming out with their half yearly reports, you might as well wait another week or two see what these companies deliver before making your decision then. But at least you've got a lot more information Mm. in front of you that's up to date.
0: Okay, on the subject reporting season, JB Hi-Fi came out today. What did you think?
4: It's been an incredible turnaround for this business. Not necessarily a turnaround, but there certainly was a period of time where people were questioning these retailers, whether it was Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi. Yeah, short sellers got it wrong, didn't they? That's right. Amazon was meant to be coming into the Australian market and really disrupting Mm. these companies, and the best days were meant to be behind them. I must admit, I haven't looked at the the result in finer detail because it's not one that we own for clients. Um, But when you consider it wasn't that long ago, they were in the low 20s, now above $40. They continue to roll out more stores and deliver on a strategy that served them well over a very long period of time. They Mm. basically have their model down pat. Um, They don't have many overheads when it comes to warehousing. They keep most of their stock at floor level. Um, And basically, they've got the TVs. They've been able to jump on the back of some of the newer technologies as well as some of the older technologies phased out such as CDs, records, videos, all that thing. So they definitely have some smart operators within that business.
0: Yeah, and I think Richard Murray's a very good CEO. I think so. Yeah, as, as results show. Yeah, we, we liked um, a Joey Hi-Fi when the market knocked it down to 23, but current levels seem so high, yeah. but this is a company that keeps on doing well, and uh, I'm not going to be tipping it at these levels, but certainly I'm really glad to see it's done well. now. What companies do you like for 2020?
4: Yeah, so basically the last couple of years we've seen the healthcare sector and IT sector be the best performing sectors over the last couple of years and we would expect that thematic to continue because that is where the momentum is, that's where the growth is when you look at sort of ageing populations, emerging middle classes, the demand for healthcare products, healthcare services is undeniably there. The same in the tech, no one can deny that technology is becoming a greater importance in everyone's lives, so we tend to focus our attention on those Booming sectors. Yeah. Um, so, one of the stocks that we like at the moment, it's outside the ASX 300, but it's emerging as a successful business, is a company called ELMO. E L O uh, is the code mm. on that one. The business has been in operation since the early 2000s. Mm. Uh, there's a strong founder led involvement still. So, the two founders still own about 30 40% of the company. Mm. Um, one of the founders is currently CEO. And they're involved in the payroll software space, um, as well as sort of HR resourcing mm. as well. So, any small, medium, large business is a potential customer for them. Mm. They do have some very large names as clients at the moment. Our universities, for instance, the ATO, a number of large businesses. But their target market, from what the management have been saying, is that small to medium sized businesses between sort of 50 to 200 employees. Mm. And if you think about the Australian market, any company is really a target there. So mm. They've done a very good job in building market share. They are the market leader in Australia. At the moment, they're not only winning new customers, but they're able to cross sell other modules to their existing client base. And it's one to definitely keep an eye on. And when you consider the tech space has run very hard, some of those more glamorous names have performed very, very well. This is a business with a software as a service business model that probably hasn't seen the share price appreciation of some of those other names. Okay. So that, that's one that we like. Um, we still like companies like Aristocrat, which I think i mentioned on similar programs before, things like Altium we continue to like, CSL, ResMed in the healthcare space. ResMed had a very good update just the other day. So we continue to like those mm. good quality businesses and I think investors can't get too nervous just because the share price might have moved higher. If the underlying fundamentals are supporting that and continuing to move in the right direction, there's no reason why you can't jump in there. Okay,
0: that's what look, the micro view on yep. specific companies. Is it, what's your overall feeling for stocks for 2020? Yep. Uh, are, the, are the positives outweighing the negatives and therefore you want to
4: be long stocks? Look, I think the, the economic situation is improving. Looking at the economic numbers out of say the US, we've seen some stabilization in China as well coronavirus aside, uh, you've obviously had the first phase of the trade negotiations agreed upon, you had the Brexit situation resolved after a number of years. So in many ways, the outlook is a bit clearer than it's been in maybe three to six months. So Mm. that should be a broad positive for equities. Often equities making all-time highs as well, historically is a a bullish signal Mm. for markets, but you always have to be cautious and things can turn around very quickly. Although in the last 12 months, equities have gone gangbusters around the world, if you look at equities over a two-year period, it's far less impressive. I mean, global markets are up somewhere between sort of 5 and 10%. Yeah. So it's really only the last 12 months where things have really kicked off, but on a sort of three-, four-, five-year basis, things are less impressive. So we still think there is value out there if you look at the right pockets, but you've got to maintain your focus on earnings um, and ensure that earnings are keeping up with the underlying share prices. Okay. Michael, thanks for joining us. No problem, Peter. Thanks for having me.
0: That's Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial Group. I'm catching up with John McBain, the joint CEO and founder of Centuria Capital. You are a founder, weren't you? Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, that's <laughs> got a long time ago. Yeah, it is a long time ago, but you're still looking pretty young despite it all. Well, thank you. <laughs> I might be biased. I'm feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I want you to explain, because some people have invested in Centuria buildings along the way, and you had a really good run. I can't remember the, the, the last rotten building <laughs> you were involved in. Anyway, you would buy that. Um, and other then there's Centuria Capital, which is listed on the stock market. So you just explain so people understand the difference between Centuria Capital and those buildings that you invest with others?
5: Yeah, sure, that's a fair question. So we have a large number of unlisted trusts Mm. that operate. Uh, We manage them. Uh, As well as that, we have listed trusts, Mm. which there's an office listed trust, um, CMA, Mm. and an industrial listed trust, CIP. So people have a choice to invest in either generally a single asset so uh, the unlisted one tends to be a single it asset. tends to be, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then the listed ones are uh, really, they each have a, a portfolio of assets and mm. they're getting quite large. Uh, they're both either 1.5 billion, something like that, yeah. getting relatively large. Yeah. We, we've recently, uh, 18 months ago, introduced another unlisted product, mm. which is designed to be more liquid, so generally those single uh, Asset trusts are fixed terms and they might be five, six, or seven years. So
0: people put their money in, they're a part owner effectively, five or six years, they get the rent along the way, and if you sell them at the end of a couple of gain you split it. Yeah, yeah. but what we noticed was happening was was, uh, we're
5: quite fussy what we buy, Mm. obviously, and um, people weren't uh, like the unlisted concept. Mm. They like the, you know, some people would rather invest in a REIT and a listed trust, Mm. some people might prefer. A lot of people prefer unlisted, yeah. that's fine. They we, can see the building. They can see the building they and they know which one it is. Yeah, yeah. We've also introduced another product uh, called our Centurion Diversified Trust. That's very popular. Mm. Um, so in between times where we might not have bought an unlisted building, it mm. might only be three or four buildings a year, yeah. Um, they can invest in this diversified pool of properties, mm. and they can. That's got some liquidity, mm. so they can enter into a bit that. Bit easier you know. to get
0: out than correct. Locks in Yeah,
5: it's not totally liquid. Yeah. If there was a run of every single unit in the stock, mm. there's rules. Yeah. but um, it's certainly we've never had that mm. uh, occur.
0: And so all the money made in either the listed or unlisted eventually ends up in. Correct, Centuria and, that's, Capital. and that's, that's, that's,
5: the, that's the big the listed stock. Yes, yeah, so that, that's the listed stock that I've always grumbled to is undervalued. That's right, um, until recent yeah. times. Yes, until yeah. recent times. And so, so people look, who listen to us might have done okay? Well, I, 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 well they, they, if they hadn't stolen their stock, I'd, I'd say they'd, they'd be extremely happy. Hmm. Uh, that stock now has a market capitalisation of about $1.1 billion hmm. uh, itself. It's CNI or Centuria Capital, so that's where all the management fees end up. Hmm. Um, we've just put out uh, earnings per share guidance of uh, 12.5 cents. Mm. It'll have a distribution of 9.7 cents. Still a very good distribution, mm. and uh, you know that's, its performance has been really good. Mm. You know things, and, and, and like for example, the first six months of this financial year, in our vehicles, in those managed vehicles we talked about earlier, they have bought 1.2 billion of assets. So that's lifted our funds under management to, in the whole group to seven billion. Mm. And, um, and they're all good assets and we're very proud of them. But uh, as the assets under control get greater, so the management fees that flow to the Centuria Capital business mm.
0: increase. Yeah, because there's a small percentage on, yeah. on those and yeah. they eventually up being dollars in the, the headstock. Yeah, and the principle
5: with, with funds managers, mm. we're a listed funds manager, uh, so we're a pure funds manager. Um, the principle is of course that you, if your revenues from management fees uh, grow faster than your cost base, uh, that should be very, very good for your security officers. Yeah,
0: okay. And you've recently moved into your homeland. Yeah, I know you're an escapee from, from yeah. New Zealand. Happy to be here. <laughs> but you've gone back home and bought some. Explain what it is and what impact that might have on Sensura Capital.
5: Yeah, that's very recent. So last week we announced uh, a proposed takeover of a company called Augusta Capital in Mm. in New Zealand, actually uh, eerily similar to our business Mm. probably seven or eight years ago. Uh, It has a lot of unlisted trusts, Mm. uh, a lot of very, very loyal investors. Mm. Um, It also controls a listed Uh, trust, as well as its own listed trust, Mm. and all of its managed vehicles uh, total up to just over 2 billion Mm. uh, Kiwi, Mm. so about 1.9 billion Australian. And it's the same theory. Um, uh, We've got um, provided that bid proceeds Mm. and it's successful, and we believe it will be. Mm. Um, That will take our funds under management in in our whole entire group from about 7.1, 7.2 to roughly 9.1, 9.2 billion mm. Australian, mm. real dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so you've th- said that, not yeah, me. Yeah. yeah, so that, that, that's, and once again, very good business, yeah. uh, very well run, yeah. very experienced, very good loyal investors. We think the New Zealand property market has a lot of similarities and, uh, to the Australian one. Mm. I, I admit that some of the assets aren't quite as large, but uh, we still think it's got quite good fundamentals. Mm. Uh, certainly the land title system the way they transact, the real estate agency system, it's very similar to ours. So we we think um, it'll be good. We've got 36% of the shareholders have already agreed to support this bid. Uh, We've got, uh, provided our bid as we've set out in our our documentation, their board will support it. So we're hopeful it's going to be a relatively smooth transaction.
0: Mm. All right, so um, one thing a lot of people are wondering, is that your sector, and you, you're, you're basically, correct me if I'm wrong, you're in commercial buildings, you're in industrial buildings, and what else? Is a third area? Uh, we we, we, we uh, have a health area, yeah. so
5: yeah, yeah. They're, they're yeah, correct. But the, the, yeah. the, the health, commercial health, industrial healthcare, real estate. Yeah.
0: yeah. So you, the, the commercial mm-hmm. industrial is your real bread and mm-hmm. butter. Now, um, before I got to know you, it was a thing called the GFC, and a lot of REITs and you're, you're in the REIT space, really copped it because they carry too much debt and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, and it's been a great run ever, ever since. Uh, and some people will be worrying. well, eventually, can, can this great run continue? Uh. Is the period of unbelievably low interest rates a part of the reason why you guys continue to do it, apart from your own independent brilliance and picking good buildings and whatever, um, and the fact that the economy keeps growing? Is the low, low interest rates a big plus for you guys?
5: Oh, undoubtedly it's a plus. Mm. However, you know our, we would argue we could make good profits from transacting in commercial, mm. industrial, real estate, whatever the interest rate was, mm. and 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 uh, and, and, in and we have done in the past. Yeah. Uh, the 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 effect of the interest rates, funnily enough, it doesn't. It, it, has, it supports asset values, mm. not just real estate asset mm. values. You'll be aware a lot of our infrastructure, mm. a lot of asset r- around the globe is being supported by low interest rates, mm. which incidentally, you know, our, our, our uh, not that we're economists, we, it's very difficult for us to see what's going to, to, to uh, put real upward pressure on those interest rates. Yeah. I'm sure it will happen at some time, mm. but in the horizon that's foreseeable for a corporate, it's hard to see it. So I think the the impact has been on supporting asset values. You're correct. Where the huge impact has been for funds managers like us, um, pe- people have very low returns in their traditional cash safe havens. Mm. And and, and mm. your your listeners and the viewers will will know that you know around one percent not mm. attractive, mm. particularly if you're retired. Yeah. It's trying to find something that has a higher return, and I don't mean ridiculously high, but a higher return where you're not getting over gearing or you're not taking on too much risk or risks you don't understand. Mm. And that's one thing that we try and do when people are approaching us to invest with us. Um, we're very keen to to tell them what the positive th- things are, but, and, and we've always been very keen to say, well, look, there are risks mm. and here what they here, here, here they are. We don't gear our listed or unlisted products too highly. Hmm. Um, certainly not like the old days, neither do our competitors. You know, hmm. we've, we've all, you know, I think with an with unlisted trust, what might've been 60 or 65% gearing will now be 40
0: or 45%. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I know there's not a space you play, but you might've in the past and I've forgotten, but retail property, all the challenges with retail, is there any value in retail going forward?
5: The R word? Mm. Yeah, we, we um, look, I think firstly we uh, appear to have, it, um, we might have the appearance of some brilliance by not ever being in retail. Mm. But frankly, we just never liked it. Mm. And when I say never, not for 25 years. Mm. Um, certainly it's in difficulty at the moment. And I feel sorry for some of those guys. Uh, and I think there's a little bit more to shake out uh, we've got several of our friends own a lot of retail real estate and they do mm. very well at it. Mm. I think uh, regional mm. uh, retail seems to be doing better than some others. Mm. But I talked to some guys on the weekend, at the professionals. That it'll, that good funds managers will find a way through their retail portfolios. Mm. They'll adaptively reuse parts of it. I just think it's unfortunate uh, that rents have got quite warm mm. um, and online has hurt a little bit, uh, but we're not (laughs) smug about it. We, 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 as I said, it wasn't a predestined, Mm. we just never liked it. We're very happy with our office blocks, our industry, our industrial investments, uh, very happy with our healthcare Mm. investment we've made, Mm. uh, Centuria Heathley. And uh, the only thing that the New Zealand business does, in in New Zealand, it's got involved with some tourism assets, hotels on long leases, Mm. which we haven't done in Australia, but I I think it's quite exciting.
0: Provide the, the coronavirus doesn't go on for too well,
5: long. Well, or we'll reach New Zealand in any
0: great numbers, yeah, you know. right. uh, I, I guess one last question to you, mate, is um, the, the outlook for investing in the kind of real estate assets you chase. Um, what's the, you can't be necessarily 100% right, but what are you operating off? Oh, look, uh,
5: and and our strategy going forward is we think in uh, our strategy period is really 24 months Mm. then looking out for the third or fourth years. But over the next 24 months, we still find it very hard to believe, unless there's some black swan event, and I don't think the coronavirus is going to be that incidentally Mm. Mm. from what I've read about it. It's it's not multiplying logarithmically. Mm. And I think the, the, the world is responding better to it. Um, it has to be some black swan event. We cannot see uh, sovereigns suddenly writing off all the, the bad credit they've adopted. Mm. And we can't see interest rate going ridiculous. Now while that happens, asset values will be stable. We're even predicting valuation increases on quite a few of the office mm. and industrial portfolios, which we might not necessarily want, but I think's coming. So best for people to invest on fundamentals, Look, find a good manager. Um, make sure they're not over gearing their product, and get invest in something. If it's going to be an unlisted syndicate, you know, invest in something you feel comfortable with, and maybe do two or three investments rather than one. Yeah. Not that we're allowed to give advice. So my my no. people in my office will be just
0: brilliant financial d- education.
5: Just just the sort of advice you give your clients. You know, we'll have so much in one sector, so much in another, so much unlisted, yeah. so much re- uh, uh, listed. Mm. I, th- I think. That sounds wishy-washy, but I think that's the position we're in. I I think the next 18 months to 24 months are going to be very positive. Hmm. I
0: think it's good advice, particularly at this end of the cycle. You can take more risks at the beginning, but at the end, diversification Hmm. is the best way. Even though Warren Buffett said diversification is for wimps. Uh, I'm a wimp when it comes to (laughs) investing. John McBain, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. John McBain, Joint CEO of Centurio Capital.